Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined, first of all, by my right-hand man, Vittorio Campanile. How are you doing, sir? I'm fine, thanks. What about yourself? Happy about Arsenal, I think, right? Yeah, happy about Arsenal, but it was Sheffield United. Thursday's what matters for me, Vittorio. Uh, so uh, I'll reserve my judgment until then. Also joining us, making his debut on Simply Serie A, uh, is another Italian. I'm completely outnumbered this week. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan De Luca. How are you, sir? Very well, Harry. My, my uh, Italian accent is not as uh, not as prevalent <laughs> as Vittorio's, but um, I can I can speak a little when I have to. That's it. That's it. That's good enough for me. Uh, Let's kick off by discussing Inter, who, of course, took another step towards the Scudetto today with a win over Cagliari. They left it late. Uh, They didn't look like they were going to actually find the breakthrough at one stage. But of course, Matteo Damian stepped up uh, to eventually break Cagliari down. And Vittorio, it was like an Atalanta goal, wasn't it? Full back to full back. Hakimi came on found uh, Damian, the other wing back on the other side. He turned it in and you could see from the celebrations, couldn't you? Antonio Conte sprinted onto the pitch to join his players, how much it meant to them. And it, and it is another big step, isn't it, for them? Yes, it's it's a big step. And, uh, you know, I think Akimi had a huge impact in this match because uh, Inter was struggling. In the first half, they had chances, but when Inter is trying to uh, propose football, they struggle against a team like Cagliari, who really defended with 11 men. So you can see Inter struggling. Lukaku didn't shine today. He was well marked. And uh, luckily, they brought in Hakimi and uh, he made a big difference. So very important win because Juventus and Milan won. So they keep the distance. But, you know, Cagliari can be a very complicated team to beat. Uh, so it was really important, I think, for the confidence more than everything, because I think the gap in the table is still huge for Inter. But it was important to win at home against uh, a, a team like that and in such matters, right? It wasn't an easy match. It wasn't. They didn't get an easy goal at the beginning, uh, but they had to fight for it. And I think this gave an extra boost to, to this team. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan, I mean... You're based here in the in the UK, like myself, and uh, you know from a UK perspective, looking at Serie A, the problem has been over the last few years that Juventus have been so dominant that people have argued that it isn't a competitive league, it isn't worth watching, it isn't worth investing your time in. From somebody who's who's based in the UK, how big is it that Juventus don't win the Scudetto this year, and somebody else steps up and and kind of breaks that sort of run? Yeah, I think it's. It becomes noticeable, doesn't it? It becomes noticeable to to fans of other countries when something out of the ordinary happens. In a similar way, abroad, you know, when when Leicester had their had their their title win here, and you had people from other countries suddenly showing showing an interest, or the Premier League has rotated its champions typically. Um, Italy hasn't done that for the best part of a decade, and nor of nor of a lot of the leagues around Europe. So there is that element to it. 
And I think um, there's a few factors with Serie A, like you've said there, and and what it means that to the league. I think Serie A has suffered in this country from being at the forefront of football to not having that Champions League participation um, beyond the last beyond the last eight for the last few seasons. Um, obviously, the the broadcasting rights of, of the channel is, is not in the mainstream in this country. So you add all these things up and it almost becomes a, an almost forgotten league where you look at it and say Juventus have won again. So to mix that up with some familiar faces that there are in the inter side from, from, from this country or have played in this country, I think, um, you know, it's going to, it's really positive um, for fans in this country. And, you know, I just, I just hope that, you know, people have taken the time to, um, still watch the games because it's been a fascinating season really it's been a three horse race for 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 large periods and 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 there's you know there's 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 been some really really good some really good football matches and i think the perception of serie a, um is one where it's it, it's kind of boring um in actual fact that's not been the reality for three seasons now and hopefully um hopefully it starts to get a bit more a bit more of the credit it deserves yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned it being a three-horse race. I know people will point to the lead that Milan had earlier on in the campaign, but I don't think, and I know me and Vittorio have spoken, I don't think anybody actually believed that Milan were going to go on and, and become champions. And that is why Juventus was still in the picture, Inter was still in the picture, etc, etc. Um, I want to touch on, on a little bit of a debate about Antonio Conte, because I wrote a piece um, for 90 Min in the week. I was asked to to think about who um, or, or I was asked to come up with an idea for a piece. I'd been speaking to Dan actually earlier on in the day and um, I thought about writing a piece about Antonio Conte and it was only when I looked into Antonio Conte's achievements in a little bit more detail and tried to understand where some of the clubs were prior to him taking over and where they ended up that I realised actually I think he's he's done a fantastic job and I think pound for pound He's been as good as anybody in Europe. Now, I know Dan agrees, so I'll give Dan an opportunity to have his say in a moment. But I know Vittorio disagrees because he told me on Twitter. Uh, so, Vittorio, what, what is it for you that prevents Antonio Conte being regarded as pound for pound the best manager in European football right now? Uh, I think he's a great manager. He's very good. I think his biggest weakness is the European competition. I mean, when he had Juventus... Uh, except one year, he failed in the Champions League. And we know that the main goal for Juventus is the Champions League. And when he left the job and Allegri came in, Juventus started reaching the final every every single year. Well, not every single year, but reached the end of the, of the Champions League often. While with Antonio Conte, they really struggled. Uh, again, Inter is winning the Scudetto. They went out of the group phase uh, in the Champions League. And we said it a lot on this podcast. Juventus' team is great. I think Inter has the same quality depth. Uh, Lukaku, Lautaro Martinez. They have quality players. And so it's unbelievable to think that Inter lost, didn't qualify, didn't pass the group phase in the Champions League with Lukaku, Martinez and so on. And to be honest, it wasn't that tough group, you know, it, it wasn't that, you know, they had Real Madrid, Barcelona. No, they had a group where Inter was considered the second best and they failed. Uh, we saw Shakhtar Donetsk beating Inter and then losing in the Europe League against Roma without it being able to score a goal, you know. So that's the biggest weaknesses. 
of Antonio Conte. Uh, big managers, big teams, at the end of the day, want to win Champions League. He's very good in the league. He's the number one, probably. He always struggles when his team has to play two matches a week. He's not able, I don't know. Maybe he needs to focus more time on a single match, and so he needs more days. But the fact is, if you go and see Antonio Conte, he always failed in the Champions League. And you can argue that he had a very good Juventus, a very good Inter, uh, Chelsea, and so on. So it's not that, you know, uh, he had Crotone. Uh, it's, it was a miracle to reach the Champions League. No, he had very good teams. And other manager who came in succeed. So I think that's the weakness of Antonio Conte. Still, he's a great manager. Don't get me wrong. Does it also work against him that he seems to be so temperamental that he seems to be able to fall out with people over very little, that he seems to be able to switch allegiances? I mean, if you cast your mind back, he said he would never work for the Italian FA. He ended up managing Italy. He said he would never do anything with Inter. And now he's, you know, we fast forward and he's sprinting onto the pitch, celebrating goals that could potentially take them to the Scudetto. Does that kind of lack of... I'm not going to say lack of loyalty, but the fact that he can almost switch moods like the wind, does that work against him as well? Well, I, th I think his problem is that he fell out with a lot of people. Uh, he went, to, he started in Bari, he fell out with a, with a, with a uh, company, so he left. Juventus, he, it was his team. Let's not, remember, let's not forget that Antonio Conte played years with Juventus and win everything as a player with Juventus. So he said, I'm coming back home when he joined Juventus. And then after a couple of years, he fell out with Andranielli. <laughs> He's the owner of the club. You know, there's only one chance. You have to leave. So, and he's very similar for, with Mourinho in a certain way. I don't know if you agree. He's a motivator. And after a couple of years, you know, uh, you fail to send the same message uh, for, for a couple of years and you lose something. So he has to leave the club, I think, after three, four years. That's another problem. But yeah, you know, he should be improving his behavior, his relationship, at least with the boss of the of the team to, to stay longer with the team. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great point and a valid one. Dan, I know you, you feel differently. You feel that Antonio Conte is, should be regarded as pound for pound the best manager in, in Europe. But tell us a little bit about why. Yeah, well, I think I think he's the best manager in Europe today. Um, I think some of the points Vittorio made there, whilst they are valid points, um, a, a couple of them particularly, I don't think they're they're points that make you a weaker manager. Um, you know, mo modern football three seasons is about your lot, even even at the top sure. level. You know, um, you know, you got to look at Zinedine Zidane and what's ha what's happened there. You know, three Champions Leagues in in however many years, three or four years, and, and you know, it seems he's fallen out of the club and he's left and he's back again. Um, you know, falling out, falling out. Managers who fall out of owners—that is a trait that I attribute to to having a winning mentality. You, you very rarely get any weak, poor managers who are falling out with the board. It's because they want and they demand more. Um, so, a couple of points I'll pick up on before I go into Antonio Conte. I think with, with Juventus and obviously I've followed followed Italian clubs in um, in Europe all my life. Juventus in Europe uh, are probably the, the biggest underachievers in European football history in terms of what they should achieve. It, it's not unusual, particularly in the time Conte was there, where Juventus were just on their way back from um, from the impacts of Calciopoli. I don't, I, I don't feel a reasonable expectation on Daniel Conte to win the Champions League there. 
I think I'll agree completely. He's obviously underachieved this season with Inter. Finishing bottom of that group would have been unexpected. I think last year their group was was quite tough. Um, this year was an opportunity missed because if you're in the if you're in pot three or four like Inter are, you, you, that's about as good a group as you can get. So there's a fair point there. But I think if you look, we're asking pound for pound. So by definition, you don't have much money. Your squad is going to be weaker. And the way he's built his squad is with, if perhaps with players who aren't really fit to challenge on all four fronts. Um, I think it's fair to say, you know, a 35-year-old Ashley Young um, is not the sort of player you'd expect to um, be be knocking out 50 games a season consistently. But he's found a way to, to get them to win the league um, this season. And they have won the league. Um, I'd be very, very surprised and have to eat my words if um, things go wrong from here. But like you said in your intro, Harry, he, he's virtually done it everywhere. I think he disappointed at Atlanta. Um, I think that's fair to say. But, you know, two two promotions, champions with Bari, Siena, um, pretty unfashionable. They'd been in Serie A the year before he took over and he got them back up. Um, then, obviously, obviously he's come to Chelsea. He, he's done good things there. And he put the building blocks in place for Allegri to take it forward, um, in my view. What it is with Conte is, it, you know, he's proving that he can manage at different levels. And what we haven't mentioned yet is the job he'd done at the national side for Italy um, was was absolutely fantastic Com- compared to Italy Italy's World Cup defences in 2010 and 2014, where they failed to get out of the group. Um, they won one game in six. Italy went into, and, and Vittorio will, will know this, um, obviously being, being a very prominent journalist in, in that part of the world. Going into that tournament, the Italian media had no hope whatsoever for Italy in that tournament. Um, in a tough group with Belgium, the squad was was really criticised. It was one of the weakest Italian sides that was was ever seen in living memory. And what he managed to draw out of that squad is what I look for in a manager where, when I'm deciding what level you sit at, when you're overachieving with the players you have. He's doing it now with Inter Milan. Um, we joke in this country about um, Inter Milan last season about being a retirement home. Um, that's the that's the caliber of players he's got there, and not only has he got them to win the league, it's been a very typical Conte. I'm going to acquire a lead, playing good football, scoring goals, playing on the counter attack, adjusting his team for the opposition, and now with the lead, his last six wins all by one goal, seeing the job over the line, and that's what top that's what second tier managers fail to do. They get to that point where they're just about to do something special and it all gets too much and he can't quite get the team over the line. And like Vittorio said, the win today in the 77th minute um, against a, a stubborn side, they're the games when you realise that you're going to win the league. And that's why the celebrations... And he's always celebrated a little bit wildly, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, particularly in Euro 2016, where some of his celebrations were, um, were outstanding, especially against Spain. Um, very memorable. But... Yeah, that's what you've seen today with the celebrations. He he knows he's got the job done again. Uh, I, I don't agree with with the fact that Inter is a retired team. I mean, Lukaku, top scorer, Eriksen, top player of Tottenham, uh, De Vrij, best defender. I mean, if Inter is a weak team, then what shall we talk about? Milan, uh, Atalanta, and so on. Uh, and the other thing is, Conte did very good things but what do we say then about Gasperini with Atalanta spending far less money than than uh, Inter is fourth again 
uh, fought against Real Madrid in Champions League, passed the group in Champions League. What shall we say about Simone Inzaghi? Again, Lazio's fighting for the Champions League. Uh, they won a lot of titles, Coppa Italia, Supercoppa. They, they go through the Champions League group and again, no one expected Lazio to go through. Uh, pound for pound, I think two the other managers in the in the shoes of Antonio Conte this year could have won the Scudetto and maybe passed the Champions League. So uh, I still rate him very high, but if I see what Gasperini is doing with Atalanta, and I think he he in the last two three years have done an unbelievable job, and it's not a coincidence that in the last two years he won the title of best Italian manager. Uh, so yeah, th there's always the question mark: How will Gasparini cope with you know a big town like Milan or Rome, etc.? But he proved to do something amazing with Atalanta. Uh, same thing with Inzaghi, I would say. But I can probably quote other managers that I think are at the same level of, of Antonio Conte. Simply, they didn't have the chance probably to manage a team like Inter or Juventus to, to prove it. I think, you know, when, when we're talking about Antonio Conte, I think I, I, I see a bit of where both of you are coming from. I, I, I tend to agree more with Dan because I'm a big fan of Antonio Conte. And, and for me... The deal breaker was, you know, well, no, maybe not the deal breaker, but one of the big things that I, I rate him for was when he came to the Premier League, took over a Chelsea side who finished 10th and then went on to win the Premier League the next season. He also went to the FA Cup final that season. Um, so it could, he was very close to doing the double and, and obviously they lost to, to the mighty Arsenal. But, you know, he, he got <laughs> to the FA Cup final um, and then he, he in his second season, he won the FA Cup, but the league form wasn't wasn't quite as good. The, the thing for me, though, with Antonio Conte, and I guess, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, Dan mentioned that and, and it, Dan's right. There is a bit of a joke that goes around here in the UK about Inter being a retirement home because we've seen. Sanchez go there. We've seen Ericsson, who had been almost frozen out at Tottenham, end up there and, and start to play football. Ashley Young is another one. And there's been a few examples of that. But I guess I would kind of sort of go back on that point and say, maybe just here in the UK, sometimes we don't appreciate that footballers can still do a job. And in the case of, of Antonio Conte, he is somebody who likes what he knows. He likes the players that he he can you know, he trusts a certain type of player, Antonio Conte. He's not going to pick a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old and give them lots of game time unless he really believes in them. That's a rare thing for Antonio Conte. But the fact that he brought players from the Premier League that he'd obviously seen at first hand that are more experienced heads, the fact that he brings Arturo Vidal with him <laughs> wherever he goes as well uh, is, is another thing. And it, it just feels like... He is that type of manager whereby he trusts a certain type of player. He knows exactly what he wants in terms of the profile. He's got a very specific system that doesn't really change, you know, with the, the three-man defence, the wing-backs. And so it's easier to kind of find the pieces you need. And that's why he tends to go back to those players because they fit what it is that he wants to do. And it, that's not changing. Antonio Conte's philosophy is not changing. I think he... <laughs> Where I think he's a bit better than he's getting credit for there, though, and the Chelsea season, the the, fir the his first season at Chelsea kind of picks up on this. He he has a preferred system of three five two with wing backs, and yeah, he's he he signs players to fit that mold and coaches them to do so. That 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 that's a skill. 
you know that that's a skill and to do it with less money available is is a bigger skill um and clearly he had money available at Chelsea and he inherited a, a reasonable squad who had, who, had, who had fallen um who had fallen on hard times the season before but in that season with Chelsea and he, he rotated his system quite a bit with with the Italian national team before settling on 352 for year 2016 but during that Chelsea season what impressed me about Conte was the way he 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 started that season badly and um another defeat to Arsenal you'll be pleased to hear about they lost 3-0 yeah. to Arsenal and they were languishing in about six or seven and he he changed in season he changed the formation in season and managed to go on a winning run which at the time was record-breaking for for the premier league i think it was 13 or 14 games in a row he very very quickly identified that what he was trying to do wasn't working he didn't have a pre-season to fix it he didn't have a transfer window to fix it he fixed it with the players he had that's a very very intelligent football manager so he's not he's not your He's not your person. And what, even what I'm saying about this season where, you know, they've won three or four games, 3-0 to pull clear. And now they've won six games in a row by the odd goal. He's adjusting his style for the occasion as he goes. You know, he, he, he's, he's a lot cleverer in his tactical versatility than, than I think um, I think people fully appreciate. And, you know, you, you have to go back and, and research thoroughly some of the previous performances that the jobs he's been in to watch how he's how he's rotated and experimented other things. Um, but the, the standout performance, ironically, is where he, he, didn't, he didn't win a medal um, with the Italian team at Euro 2016, where he, he lifted that side to, to a level they hadn't been at since the, since the previous World Cup with one of the weakest squads in a generation. Um, and even since he's left, Italy haven't really reached those heights and they're only starting to threaten to look good again. But to be able to to change midway through a season is is not something you see very often. Um, to, to no, and, and 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 for that he deserves credit. Just before we move on from Conte, I just come back to you quickly, Vittorio. Do you agree that he took that Italian team in in Euro twenty sixteen to a, a new level? Was you as pleased and as impressed by the job that he did in that tournament as Dan has been? Uh, one thing about Antonio Conte is he's able to uh, get. 100% or more from the players he have. Every single player who plays for Conte, usually, then obviously there are exceptions, but usually plays as his best. That's why even because he asked for Vidal, he added that Juventus and played good football. He tried against at Inter. Think didn't work out. But, you know, Manchester United fans remember a sort of Lukaku. Here in Italy, we are seeing a completely different Lukaku. And this is because... He would do everything for, for his players and the players love him because they know them, that Antonio Conte will back them always. And so they, they give the best. And that's one of the secrets for me from Antonio Conte. And in the national team, uh, the Italian players plays at the best, except penalty. I don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> except everything else, I mean, uh, Marco Parolo, that I know very well because it's a Lazio player, played in that uh, everywhere, central defender, midfielder, and everything with Antonio Conte, and played well, you know. So Pelé seemed to be a good striker uh, with, with Antonio Conte. That, that's, for me, the best quality, probably, of, of Antonio Conte. Ev- Inter now has Bastoni in defence. He's a youngster. Uh, n- nobody knew him. He's playing good football. He's playing great football. I wouldn't say he's the new Paolo Maldini, but playing with Inter, he's quite good. 
so you know that's another thing. Uh, Ashley Young, he's playing great with Inter. Uh, Barella, Sensi, uh, a lot of players that didn't prove their talent with Antonio Conte are playing at a higher level. Now the biggest question mark is if Antonio Conte leave, will they still perform at that level? I'm not sure about that, but that's one of the secrets of Antonio Conte. The players would die for him and give everything they have in the pitch. Yeah, he's a great motivator and he's a great man-manager um, until he starts to fall out with everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, brilliant stuff. Brilliant discussion, guys. Let's uh, let's move on and let's uh, move on to their city rivals, Milan, who won at Parma. Um, first of all, let's just quickly touch on Parma because... As somebody who who isn't of Italian heritage, but somebody who grew up watching Italian football and fell in love with it because of the the whole sort of romanticism around it, Parma were one of the teams that I always used to look out for. So to see Parma in this position, uh, Vittorio, it pains me. And of course, Torino uh, won at the weekend, which is a big blow for Parma as well. Are they doomed now? Is it done? Are they uh, Are they down in your opinion? It's not done, but things are getting very hard for them. And you see the team they have, and you think, they are a good team. They should be middle table. Instead, they are there. And uh, you watch the match against Milan, and uh, you think, well, they're not playing that bad. So Milan is not playing anymore as good as they did in the first half of the season. But they're still fighting and finding a way to win matches. On the other side, Parma is playing better than at the beginning of the season, but they're still finding a way to lose matches because Milan was... Ibra was sent off. They had a lot of time to recover. They created chances. They missed so many chances, and then they allow Milan to close the match. Parma is not a bad team, but if you find every time a new way to lose, then, you know... It's going to be tough to don't get relegated. And yeah, there are good players there. But, you know, when it's the wrong season, it's the wrong season. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned just from a Milan perspective that Zlatan Ibrahimovic had been sent off. And of course, he uh, did have a hand in the opening two goals scored by Rebic and Kessier. Of course, Rafael Leal uh, sealed it sort of late on. But... I mean, Dan, it's it's a tough one with, with Ibrahimovic because it's alleged that he insulted the referee, and that is why he was he was sent in the end. But it's 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 not the first time this season that Ibrahimovic has been sent off. And when you look at what Milan are trying to build, and they're obviously trying to build a new generation, they're obviously trying to take things forward. And credit to Stefano Pioli, he's done a very good job. But is somebody like Ibrahimovic? more of a help to those young players or is his arrogance and his disciplinary issues a hindrance? I know he's delivered in the league, but when you're looking at the longer term future, is this somebody that you want to, like, you know, we think he's going to sign a new contract. Is he somebody that you want to keep there going forward for his experience? Or do you think actually it's having a negative effect, maybe preventing somebody else breaking through and and sort of going on to the next level? I think, with with Ibrahimovic, you, you have to accept both. That that's that's just how it is. I think part of the reason why Milan haven't been able to to sustain their title challenge this year is because of an over reliance on him, um, and that that's always dangerous when you're over reliant on on a player in in the twilight years of of his career. 
but from where Milan have been, and obviously Milan are you know one of the three biggest clubs in Europe. Um, you know, Milan Milan were on a similar journey that that Parma were on, albeit on the pitch rather than financially. Milan have needed to take the step that they've taken, and and Ibrahimovic has been a, a critical part of that. You know, he he has propelled Milan to you know top three in the league where we wasn't expecting them to be there yet. We knew Milan would return one day to to start challenging the top. Um, but this season, we wasn't expecting that. I, I, I don't think we was probably expecting maybe Milan would return to somewhere between fourth and sixth to be scrapping it out with maybe Lazio and Atlanta for one of the Champions League places if things went well. Um, the fact is, having his goals, having his superstar element, you know, the price to pay has been a little bit of a real discipline and the, the circus that comes with Ibrahimovic. Well, well, so be it. You know, part of being a young professional is choosing what characteristics of a player to, to learn and, and and adapt to your own game and choosing which parts to ignore. And, you know, a player who's going to make it at the top of a, a massive European football club is is going to have to rise above um, copying, if you like, or or, or mimicking Zlatan Ibrahimovic's, you know, poorer traits. I think with Ibrahimovic, if you understand the character, the, the man he is, the, the attitude he displays and the arrogance in and off the pitch, on and off the pitch, that's what he needs to 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 bring his brilliance out. Not every player is 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 gonna is is gonna be able to do that. So I wouldn't be too worried. I think is is the short answer. I think in terms of in terms of a new contract, while he's scoring goals, while he's demonstrating that <clears throat> if you keep yourself in peak physical condition, you can continue to play at the top level. I, I, I think the benefits will will outweigh the uh, outweigh the criticisms. And I think there are a couple of young players who who will benefit from having him around for sure. Vittorio, we've spoken about this before and, and, you know, there was talk about him wanting to go off to a music festival and then he's sort of getting himself into disciplinary issues. And and, and as Dan says, that we, we can't look away from the fact or we can't ignore the fact that Zlatan has taken Milan or has been a massive part of Milan going up a level, right? There, there's no doubt about that. But I, I, I do think at times you can you can hold on to someone for too long to the point where it prevents you. You, you know, it, it's almost like putting a plaster over a, a cut because the, the wound is still there, i.e. Milan still need to get better without Ibrahimovic. But while he's there and while they're relying on him, do you agree with me that there will be some players who may learn from him, but there will be others who will miss out because they won't get game time because Ibrahimovic is still there without representing the future of the club. You know what? I think this year there has been two parts. The first, the beginning, Ibrahimovic was probably the secret why Milan was playing so well. He was playing terrific football. He was the leader. He was telling to the other guys, hey, we are Milan. We have to fight for the Scudetto. And people started believing in him, and that's why AC Milan started playing really, really well in the first half of the of the, of the season. In the second half, something changed. I thought uh, he became too arrogant. He really believed he was God and started behaving as a God. And that's where things started going bad. Uh, we talked about it in the Coppa Italia derby against Inter. Milan was winning and in control of the match. And then Ibra was sent off and the thing changed. Inter won the derby. And from there, the the season of Inter changed. And as well, the Milan season, he got injured. 
he went to the festival of Sanremo. Uh, I think there's something changing in Ibrahimovic. Uh, the red card of against Parma, it's another example. Um, I think if he goes back to the first part of uh, the season, then Ibra will be fundamental for this team. If the Ibra we're going to see is this one of the end of the season, then that could be a problem for, for AC Milan. He still can be a leader, but as you were saying, maybe Milan has youngsters that need to play and they cannot because Ibra is there. Or they could be too scared because, you know, Ibra is a leader, but he can also scare youngsters with his personality. And uh, so this could be a problem. Uh, it looks like the contract is done. They're going to sign it in the, cup in the next week. So <laughs> I said it when he signed for Milan the first time. I didn't think it was the right thing uh, and I was wrong. I don't know if continuing with Ibra would be the right solution. Yeah, and, and just to sort of clarify my my position on this, I'm not saying that Ibrahimovic hasn't had a massive impact. I'm not saying he doesn't still have plenty to offer. I'm not even saying that he's not one of Milan's best. He's one of Milan's best players. There's no doubt about that. He's been massive for them. But if you're looking to the future and you're looking to build, which it's clear that Milan are trying to do, sometimes holding on to somebody who you feel is the safer option is actually preventing others progressing and it's actually a bit of a hindrance. And we've seen it over the years with other clubs where they've had a player who they've been particularly loyal to who has stuck around for years and years and this fear of moving them on and fear of what it might look like without them holds them back and and essentially prevents others from taking up that mantle. So that's that's kind of my point on that. I'm not saying that he's not a good footballer. He's a sensational footballer. Um, and when he's on fire, there's there's no doubt about that. The last game we're going to look at in depth is the game between uh, Verona and the Lazio. Lazio won it by a goal to nil. Milinkovic-Savic uh, with a late goal, uh, 92nd minute goal. Uh, to to get give Lazio the points. And that was obviously massive because when you look at the other results around Serie A, uh, you look at the fact that, that obviously uh, Juventus won, Milan won, Roma won, Napoli won. Uh, it was imperative that Lazio took all three points in the race for the Champions League. And following Vittorio on Twitter today, uh, I could see that he was getting visibly frustrated. Um, you were very frustrated with the referee's performance. Tell us a little bit about why and how the game went. Well, actually, it happened the same thing that happened in the Manchester United game today. Uh, Lazio scored at the beginning of the second half uh, with Felipe Casedo. And at the beginning of the, of the, of the goal, the, the defender is uh, blocking Casedo, who moves his shoulder to get rid of the player. And with a shoulder, hits uh, the face of the, of the defender and go through and dribble past another defender and score. Uh, it was clear that that movement was because the defender was blocking him. So, in my opinion, that was a clear goal. Or if it wasn't, it was a foul for Lazio. So, that that was surprising, especially because what I say is the ref can get it wrong, but he has to referee the, the, the match at the same level. If that's a foul, it's always a foul. While it, during the match, Verona defenders that are quite tough made a lot of hard tackles and he never whistled. So if you never whistle for 90 minutes, then you cannot start at a certain point for the same tackle. So that's that's the thing I hate about, about uh, the referee. The, you have to have the same uh, point of view, the same. Every foul, if it, 
the same foul has to be foul or never is a foul. So that's that's uh, why I was mad. And uh, uh, the same thing, uh, using the VR uh, in that occasion, I'm not sure because, as I said, uh, Caicedo react to a foul. And if you take only the second part of that Im images, you see only Caicedo and you don't see what happened before. So I don't know. I, I wasn't impressed by the referee. Luckily, Lazio find a way to win. But, uh, yeah, the ref didn't help. Yeah, and, and you want the referee at least to be consistent in the 90 minutes of football yeah. that he's refereeing on that day, right? And me and Dan have, have had this discussion time and time again, sort of relating to the Premier League. So I certainly get where you're coming from. In terms of, of Lazio, though, they're, they're making a bit of a habit, Vittorio, of, of winning games late. It's something that they've done quite often this season. And does that show a real strength in character? And, and you know, I mean... I am a massive fan of Simone Inzaghi, but do you fear that if he continues to keep Lazio at the level that he is and, and gets them back in the Champions League again, that somebody of a, of a bigger size, let's say, or, or you know, somebody of more pull, and that's no disrespect to Lazio, might come in and uh, try and snatch him away? Well, yes, that's, that's a possibility. Uh, he should be renewing his contract soon, so uh, that will help. But yeah, as I said at the beginning, that's been going on for ages, though, hasn't it, Victoria? Yeah, the, yeah, the talk about yeah. him signing a new deal, and it's still they not said done. they said they find a deal, but the day afterwards, uh, Inzaghi was positive at coronavirus, so he wasn't on the bench today. He wasn't even at Verona; he was at home because he cannot move. But yeah, it looks like when he's going to be <laughs> uh, cleared, he's going to sign the contract. But yeah, you know, when you win often at the last minute, you you have two points of view. The one is obviously the team that keep fighting till the end, etc. That is a positive way. The negative way, it's okay. Why you didn't you weren't able to win or score goals before the end of the the match? Why are you always scoring at the last minute? Obviously, Lazio is playing well, but missing too many chances. The fact that Chiro Mobile is not scoring as as before, it's obviously a problem for the team that keep fighting, keep creating chances, but. They struggle to to find the, the way to score. And the positive thing, again, they fight till the end. And luckily, in the last minutes, three times in the last four matches, Lazio scored in the last five minutes. So this tells a lot about the team. But the problem is Atalanta, who won today against Fiorentina, is flying. And Napoli start winning again. Milan is not giving up. So the Champions League fight is going to be really uh, exciting. And Lazio is six points behind, has a match on hand. So... It could be three, but yeah, I think it's going to be with Inter probably. I don't know if you agree with me. Uh, already won the Scudetto. I think the most interesting thing is going to be the Champions League fight that could be really up to till the last match of the season. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty to play for uh, in that part of the table. I, I said this was going to be the last match we cover, but it would be wrong of me not to mention that game now that you brought it up between uh, Atalanta and, uh, sorry, Fiorentina and Atalanta. Dan, I know you caught some of that game and Fiorentina, um, having fought back from 2-0 from down, would have been desperately disappointed to have lost it in the end. Yeah, especially, I mean, they Fiorentina are safe. They're, they're safe from relegation, but... There's, they're languishing above it and they're probably three points away from the top half. It's so congested down there. So really, you know, they're looking for a win to get them, you know, back where they should be in the table. 
finish a season on a high and, and, and something to build on. And I think when you've put that much effort in to pull yourself back around it and you, you concede like that, and um, obviously really, really frustrating. Um, I kind of expected a bit more from Fiorentina as well um, this season on the whole. Um, it was the first time I've actually watched him for 90 minutes for, for, for a few weeks. And I, ju- I just sensed you, you, you had a team who didn't really, didn't really have any kind of defensive stability. And, and that's what's kind of plagued them a bit like, um, a bit like Lazio in a way that, you know, that they, they, they leaked too many goals earlier in the season. It, it, it's led them to be, it's led them having to play catch up as to where they feel they should be. And, and I think when you're, when you're chasing, when you're chasing teams like Lazio are and Fiorentina are, all right, getting getting to mid table is a, is a different kettle of fish. It's not nothing to celebrate, but it's where Fiorentina want to be so they can get a, a platform to build on. You know, it, it's a lot. It's a long way back, and defeat uh, defeats like that will will obviously hurt and be a big setback. And I think when you get to the end of the season, you're reviewing the managerial position, the difference between being just above the relegation positions, and and what that means to try and attract new players and being mid-table and, and something to build on. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big blow for them to lose that game today because I, I felt when they got back in it, they, you know, they were, they were probably going to go on and win the game. Um, it's, it... Go on, go ahead, mate. Sorry. Yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted to go back to just Palmer very briefly and, and kind of the position Palmer were in because as Vittorio mentioned there, he, he was, he, he was saying how, you know, they've struggled to find a way to win games um, when they've been playing well. And I think, the, the consistent thing between Palmer and Lazio, which is why I'm making the link between the last two games we discussed, has been that failure to get goals from midfield. Um, Lazio have scored, I think, 15 to 20 goals less than the five teams above them. Uh, and that's ultimately why they are where they are. And even though there's only, you know, if they win their game in hand, there's probably three or four points between them and third place. Um, you do start to worry if even Marbley can't find his form and he was exceptional last season and this season he's not failed to live up to it um where those goals are coming from in midfield and in Palmer's case uh Graziano Pelle and um and a Giovinio up front it's not really a potent enough strike force um so I think I think there's a there's a theme there in Italian football over the last five or six years the amount of goals per game has gone up substantially and I think the teams who the teams who are struggling to get those goal contributions from all over the park are the ones that have struggled. And we've seen with Milan where Ibrahimovic doesn't score or is suspended. They've struggled to, they've struggled to win football matches, lots of draws that have pulled them back. Um, and in Fiorentina's case, again, they just, they just don't really have that firepower up front um, to, to pull them clear. Yeah, brilliant stuff, man. And you're absolutely right. I was looking at the table as you were speaking and I'm actually shocked to see, um, that Lazio are so far behind, for example, Napoli in fifth. You know, if you're, uh, Lazio's 46 goals. Napoli got 65, Atalanta 71. <laughs> Atalanta, the top scorers in the league, by the way, even ahead of Inter, who are, of course, uh, top of the division. But Vittorio, just to, to finish off and wrap up the show, do you think that has been a problem for Lazio this season? The, the inability to get goals from other areas of the park and and, and how do they rectify that? Yes, I think one of the reasons why Lazio's there and Roma had the same problem. Uh, Roma strikers have struggled to score. Uh, Zeko haven't scored like in the past. Now uh, Borja Mayoral is doing something, some goals, so that's helping. But Lazio create a lot of chances, but miss them a lot. And Ciro Mobile is scoring. Uh, 
Correa, that is the second striker that normally starts, has scored only three goals in the season in Serie A this year. Only three. You know, that's unacceptable for a striker that plays for a team that should be fighting for the Champions League. Three goals is not enough. So Lazio are creating chances like last year, but they're not converting. And uh, Ciro Mobile hasn't scored 36 goals like last year. And with a second striker that is still at three goals, you can understand that uh, midfield is helping, but obviously they cannot cope for a striker, uh, cannot bring 10 goals. Luis Alberto is close to 10 goals this season. Minico Isavi scored tonight. Uh, he's, he's doing his job, but yeah, uh, uh, the biggest problem is... And one of the reasons why Inter is winning the Scudetto is Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku have scored a lot of goals. Juventus has Cristiano Ronaldo, of course. Uh, you know, Milan was there because they had Ibrahimovic scoring a lot of goals. We're seeing that this season, uh, the teams that have top scorers, uh, good strikers, are the ones that are top of the league. While the other one, who hasn't got a, a number nine that scores a lot of goals, are struggling, like Lazio, Roma, and even Napoli. You know, Napoli started with Osimen. And after he got injured, they really struggled to score. So, yes, Lazio has to do something to, to increase the, 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 the scoring rate because they're creating a lot, but not converting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and you say, you know, the, the teams with the best strikers, you know, Chiro Immobile is a great striker. He's just not on the best form this season. Yeah. I was not having the best season. Um, but it is what it is. And the Champions League race is hotting up. And it's another. it's been another really entertaining weekend of Serie A football. We're going to leave it there. My thank you uh, to goes to Vittorio and, of course, to Dan for joining me on this edition of the podcast. You can follow them both on Twitter. You'll find their uh, Twitter handles in the description below uh, so make sure you do give them a follow it's only fair check out 90 min as well subscribe to us on whatever platform it is you're listening to us from and of course give us a follow on twitter at simply seria we'll be back soon with some more italian football content until then take care say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.